when we begin to overcome our selfish, egoistic, personality-driven hungers, addictions, desires, identifications, when we begin to overcome those things and they no longer push us around as much as they used to, that means we've been moving more deeply into our true nature. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. foolish heart why do you weep throw yourself away again now you cry yourself to sleep cry yourself to sleep My foolish heart When will you learn You are the eyes Of the world And there's nowhere else To turn Nowhere else To turn A jigovinda, a foolish heart.
song I can never remember. iPhone Govinda. Let's try it. Shri Krishna Govinda Hare Murare Enath Narayana Vasudeva
You all know how that song got the name I Flung Govinda, right? I'll tell you again. So we were in New York and we were singing at the church. And um, I had come up with this melody or this melody had come to me. And uh, I recorded it and I sent it out to Mark Gorman in California because he was coming to play bass with us in New York. And uh, so there we were on, uh, I guess it was a Saturday night. Maybe it was Friday, Saturday night. And um, so I said to the audience, I said, okay, now I'm going to sing this new chant. And I started it, and it was the wrong chant. <laughs> I, I, okay, 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 wait, wait a minute, okay. Here it comes, here. So then I started again, and it was the wrong chant again. So over there on the other end of the stage, Mark says, KD. I said, yeah, what? He said, I got it on my phone. You sent it to me. 
oh, okay. So he sent the phone over, and I played it over the loudspeakers into the room. And said, ah, now I got it. And I, that's how. So that's why we called it iPhone Govinda. Mystical, totally mystical. All right, where are we here? Let's find some questions if we can. So uh, someone's asking about what Maharaji said about service to your parents. Maharaji said, actually, that while your parents are alive, service to them is the highest worship. He said that. So the question here is, what if one of our parents was abusive and because of that we are no longer in contact? Is loving and praying for them from afar enough? Well, if one of your parents or both of your parents have been, if it has been abusive, an abusive relationship, then uh, this is a big thing to deal with for sure. And is uh, praying for them from afar enough? Yes, but also working with the trauma and all the emotional issues that have been caused by that trauma is very important as well. Because, you know, on one sen- in one sense, we're made up of our parents, physically, for sure. Our bodies come from our parents. And emotionally, we've received tremendous programming from our parents, positive and negative. And those issues are within us. In some sense, our parents are within us. While your parents are alive, I think, if possible, one should try to release the negative energy in that relationship somehow. It's something that we'll carry with us for our whole lives. And we will be hurt by that energy, by that, those emotional knots, those emotional issues within us. So it's always the most powerful thing to work it out with someone in the, on the physical plane. But if that's not possible, for whatever reason, or if we're not up to it, or the, our parents are not available, blah, 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 whatever, we just don't feel like it, one should try to work with that energy and, and try to open up and release whatever negativities we're holding. It's not like we're holding it. Whatever negativity we've grown up with and has shaped us, that's definitely something we should, we, would be very helpful for us to do. On, in one way, I think it would also benefit our parents karmically because we might be able to free them from the karmas of, of the pain they in, was, that was inflicted on us by them. But recognize also that they, just like us, they are also victims of, the, of situations that happen to them. 
that we don't know anything about for the most part. We don't know their broken hearts. We don't know what happened to them as kids. We may have some basic idea, but we don't know how they lived, how they went through school, what hurt them, what crushed them, what caused them to be abusive. So on one hand, we share that victimhood with them. And that's a good thing to, to, to recognize because we share victim. We are all in this world of suffering, samsara. We've been born here. We're working out our karmas here. We're creating more karmas here. This is the place where we can do some healing work on our own hearts and by extension on the hearts of everyone that we're connected to. It's a big thing. So whatever helps you to untie these knots, whether therapy, counseling, meditation, chanting, whatever you can find to help them. You know, for instance, I had a difficult relationship with my mother. And uh, I was in Kenchi with Maharaji. I was living there. And one day Maharaji looked at me and said, when is your mother coming to India? I said, my mother coming to India? I don't think so. Later that day, I got a message from town that my mother had called and wanted to talk to me. So I had a, an uneasy foreboding. So the next day I went to town and I booked a call to America and I talked to my mother. And she said, I want to come visit you in India. So I said something to my mother that if my daughter said it to me, I would lock her in a closet and throw some food in there once a day for a long time. <laughs> and that was, I have to ask my guru. Can you imagine what my mother thought when she heard that? I was so freaked out about the idea of her coming to India because we really had a, we had a lot of difficult stuff in our relationship. And so I said, well, I have to ask my guru. <laughs> so anyway, I went back to Kenshi, and I said, Maharaji, my mother wants to come to India. Good, tell her to come. Ah, oh, shit, okay. So I went back the next day to town, and I booked a call again, and I said, you know. So she came. So it was very intense with us together in India. You know, she, uh, she was very vulnerable and very open, very a little bit scared by the way things were. I had a leader around by the hand, took care of her. And uh, so when, when she was leaving Kenshi, two things were really important that happened. Well, a lot of things. She met Maharaja, she came up to the mountains I brought her up to the mountains, and then she came to the temple. And uh, 
So we were there uh, for about a week, maybe a week and a half in the mountains. And on the day she was leaving, we, she walked, Maharaji was very kind to her, very loving, very sweet, very sweet. And on the day we were leaving, we walked across the bridge and up onto the road. And as she was about to get into the car, she looked back into the temple. And Maharaji was just sitting on his tucket. And she turned and she looked and she burst out crying. She completely felt I had to catch her and help her into the car. She totally lost it. It, it was astounding. And this is something that happened to many people who came to meet Maharaji. Something would happen and their hearts would explode. We just, they didn't, and it wasn't, it wasn't emotional, it, we, it, it was impossible to know. It was just like a deep connection was being made at that moment and everything fell apart. The whole structure of your ego at that moment crumbled and you were connected at that moment to something very deep and very real. So I helped her into the car and Maharaji had instructed me that, hold on. He had instructed me that when I took her to the plane, to the airport, when she was going back west, that I was to actually get down on my knees and do puja to her. Puja with a, a, a ghee lamp, a light, you know, offer light, a deepa, and uh, say some mantras. And here's the picture of the two of us. Uh, let me see, here we go. There we go. That's taken in the airport in the summer of 1972. I don't know, can you see the look on her face? It's astounding, she looks like Durga to me. There's just nothing but love there. What's that? Oh yeah, sorry for the Instagram. I, I don't know if you can see it. I can't tell what you're seeing, but there it is. So, so there it is. So, now that didn't alleviate all of our problems in the future, but I think it established something between us that we had not established before or deepened our connection. So, the long story is that it's very, it seems to be very important to our spiritual growth, uh, how we relate with our parents, especially if they're still in the body. But like I said, it can be very complicated. So you do what you can. Somebody said, Maharaji's words are quoted as, the same blood flows through us all. The arms, the legs, the heart, all are the same. See no difference. See all the same. Love everyone. 
So in your, in my opinion, she's asking, how am I the same as someone who is mean and rude and doesn't believe in God? And how do you love that person? Such a difficult task. Any advice? Well, it's really not that difficult. Because everything you're describing is what we call that person's role. Like Ramdas used to say, you don't have to love the role, but you love the soul. So you, from your question, are revealing that you are still identified with your role. And while we're identified with our role, it's very difficult to love the role of somebody else with all the bullshit and the horror and all the stuff, the rudeness, the nastiness, the aggression, the violence, the, shit, the, the hate, the anger that people have. It's very hard to love that, especially if we are still attached to our ego, our role. But when we can go deeper, if we can go deeper, and touch that place within us that is love, which is the soul, that is place is the same in every being. No matter how rude, how nasty, how horrible a person is, the soul of that person is completely pure and complete and total love and is no different than our soul. That's the bottom line. But that's almost impossible for us to believe. And it's certainly not something that you have to manipulate yourself into feeling. When we begin to overcome our selfish, egoistic, personality-driven hungers, addictions, desires, identifications, when we begin to overcome those things and they no longer push us around as much as they used to, that means we've been moving more deeply into our true nature. And as we move more deeply into our true nature, we see the true nature of others. That's why Ramdas, that's why Maharaji said to Ramdas, Ramdas, love everyone and tell the truth. And Ramdas said, the truth is, I don't love everyone. Maharaji looked at him and said, Ramdas, love everyone and tell the truth. The truth is the soul, the essence of a being. It is not the personality. It is not the actions of that person. Those are karmic situations, consequences, which we are totally, almost totally identified with. But as we free ourselves up from that identification through practice and through kindness and compassion and developing that, we begin to move more deeply into that love that is everywhere and in everyone. So, like, you don't, have, you don't love the, necessarily love the role, but the soul is love. 
So as we identify more with our souls, our essence, then we will see that and feel that in other beings. And that's how you love everyone. Can I tell the story about the person who did not want to get an exterminator for the insect problem? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that was uh, a, an extraordinary saint named Dada Vaswani, who left the body a couple of years ago at uh, the age of 100. He was really extraordinary. He, he was so beautiful. I only met him the last few years of his life, but it was so powerful. So. When I first, after I first knew of him, I went to one of his programs in New Jersey. He has tremendous following in New Jersey of, of Indian people, who mostly Indian people. Uh, and so I was there, and there was this woman there who stood up and asked a question. <clears throat> she said that in her community, she lived down in the south in Georgia, I think in Atlanta area. And down south there's a lot of insects and they don't have winter so there's you know it's a very different situation. So people use exterminators to keep their homes clean and clear of rodents and insects and all kinds of stuff. So this woman said, "Dada, we don't want to use an exterminator, but if we don't then all the, all the animals and bugs in our community in the area come to our house. And more than that, after that, they reinfect the other houses that have been exterminated. And our neighbors get very upset. What should we do? So I was listening to this. I was wondering what he was going to say. And then he said, he was quiet for a minute. Then he said, okay, I'll take the karma of that. Oh, that, that blew my mind, because you don't say that if you can't do it. And I just thought at that time he was a nice man. And that changed my opinion of him, and I began to see him uh, in a different way. And uh, so he was, he, he, out of his love and compassion, he ordered, uh, offered to take the karma of killing all those beings. We don't really think about that stuff. We just go ahead and do it. And I would imagine there is some karma attached to that. A friend of mine once told me he was driving a very great lama who came to America, Dilgo Kinsi Rinpoche, driving him around in California. And he had, the lama had my friend pull over because a fly was caught in the car, and he, he, he wanted to let the fly out. So they had to pull over, he opened the doors, and they, they shooed the fly out rather than kill it. And then they went on their way. We are so gross. We are, our sensitivity is so gross. We don't know what we do. We don't understand the uh, consequences of our actions. 
we don't. And uh, I also don't, by the way. I'm not accusing anybody. But it's very difficult to understand how how compassion extends not just to human beings, not just to animals, but to insects and all of the beings. We just, we just fluff it off as if it doesn't matter because we just are not sensitive to it. But I would imagine at some point we will realize how important it is to consider all beings. Please say something about how we can consider our bhakti and nishta towards our guru after his ma samadhi. Uh, ma samadhi means the body is gone. The soul isn't gone. If the soul is gone, or if the soul is no longer available, then that being was not a guru. Because once a guru has accepted you as a disciple or devotee, that guru never leaves you. We, with our stupid minds, we leave the guru every day. The guru is always here. The guru is our, not, has become one with our soul and with the soul of the whole universe, or they're not a guru. So don't let your emotional attachment and your whole storyline, which is what I did for a long time, 25 years, I let my emotional attachment and my emotional disturbed heart, I wouldn't let myself feel Maharaji's presence, except once in a while, because I was attached to his body, and when his body disappeared, I lost all hope of being, ever being happy. I had, the funny thing is though, I had felt him for the first time when I met Ramdas, and I continued to feel him and dream of him even before I met him physically. Once I met him physically, I forgot all that and I just lost myself in his physical presence. But that was my nature, that emotional attachment, that was, that was a big part of me, probably still is. So, the only, I can't give you advice, but I can just point out to you that it's only your own mind that is telling you the Guru's not here. Guru, God, and your true self, your soul, are not different. We don't know that. But if you look within, if you work on your attachments, if you calm your mind, you will f feel your Guru again, because Guru doesn't go anywhere. Guru is here. We're not here. All the saints that ever lived are right here. We are the ones that aren't here. When and if we ever get here, we'll be in good company.
Somebody writes, I, I know of no good reason to leave Long Island. Why did you leave? <laughs> well, because Maharaji was in India. That's why I left. <laughs> There's so much suffering in this world. Is it because these sufferings want to, want to, are we supposed to learn something from, these suffering, from all this suffering? It would be good if we did learn something, yeah. You know, the first noble truth or the first, uh, the first teaching that the Buddha gave was that suffering is inherent to this world. Everything in this world suffers. There's no escape from suffering in this world. We don't, we walk around like blinders in front of us and we don't see the suffering of others and we try to avoid our own suffering. We try to cling to the pleasant, happy things and push away the, the difficult, negative things. And that's a setup for more suffering because we can't be successful at pushing those things away, nor can we be successful at always holding on to the, 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 the pleasant feelings. So yes, that's what we're, we would hopefully try to learn, how to, be, how to have equanimity regardless of what's, what we're feeling, what's coming to us from the outside world or the inside world of emotions. Here's one. I'm not sure what this means. I f is this, I feel angry when KD starts calling beings egoistic. This relates to all criticism. Are we all pure or in innocent or not? Yes. We are or not. <laughs> Egoistic just means identified with a separate self. That you think you're you, I think I'm me. This is what the saints call delusion. Because... What's looking out of your eyes right now, if you're looking at the screen and you're hearing my voice, the part of you that's hearing that and seeing that, that information is coming in through your senses, your ears and your eyes, right? But the senses are not aware themselves. They're just doorways, so to speak. You're receiving information. What's knowing what they are receiving is called the soul, awareness. That awareness is exactly the same in every being. That's what they say. So, uh, I'm really not being critical of other people. I'm in the same boat as everybody. I'm just as attached to my ego as anybody else. But the point I try to make is that that's why we suffer. Because if I'm attached to myself, then the first thing that is important to me is my happiness, and then 
the happiness of those I'm close to, and then the happiness of a little further away, and you know. But once I know that, if I if I could ever identify with my true self, and with that identification comes the wisdom that that true self is the same in every being. Then. Who do you turn away? Whose suffering do you not pay attention to? That's the point. Pointing these things out is, I don't think, is criticism. It's just helping us see what we do that keeps recreating unhappiness for ourselves and others. But thanks for that little. Jab in the in the in the ribs. I like that. The last question is: Have I ever taken a vow of silence? Uh, yeah, while I'm sleeping. If so, for how long? <laughs> Somebody's having a joke here. Can you tell my girlfriend to take a vow of silence? Uh, no, I think you better take a vow of silence first. So. Taking a vow of silence is interesting. I mean, uh, you really see yourself, see different things about yourself when you're no longer yapping uncontrollably all day long. And uh, and it's a traditional method, or it's a traditional austerity silence. I know I've, I've, I know babas who have been haven't spoken in 30, 40 years or more, and they might communicate uh, by writing. This one baba used to write on his knee, and we would try to read what he was writing. Others use a, 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 a chalkboard or something like that. I don't really understand all the issues why if. But they, they need to communicate certain things with people, so they, but they don't use their voice. So I think that uh, that's a difficult practice. I've never really taken a vow of silence for any length of time. Okay, so that's it um, for the questions. My throat's really not so good today. Like I said, it really dried out on that. I was on a plane for like 10 hours coming back from Maui. And uh, <clears throat> it's pretty dry, but we'll sing some more. Why don't we sing that Hanuman mantra? Om Hum Hanumate Nama. We sing this together. fingers don't want to work. I'm so out of it. But 
Anumate Om Ham Anumate Om Ham Anumate Oh, 
time of tremendous suffering. So much suffering in the world. This virus has forced us into situations that were unimaginable. Isolating, staying at home, no school. total change in lifestyles. Hopefully, hopefully, it will come to an end. So I just feel like um, dedicating this Hanuman Chalisa to all beings that are suffering. In my own life, there are a few people who have been very close to me for a long time who have recently left their bodies. And I know all of you know people and are feeling that pain also. It's a universal pain. Seeing our loved ones suffer and die. Seeing our friends and family being tortured by their own minds and emotions with no way of working with it, of letting go. So if you feel like it in your hearts, let's offer this prayer to all of those beings who have passed on, the ones we know and the ones that are known to other people that we don't know. Everyone feels this pain. Calling out to hungry hearts Everywhere through endless time You who wander, you who thirst I offer you this body mind Calling out to 
hungry spirits everywhere through endless time calling out hungry hearts all the lost and the left behind gather around and share this meal your joy and your sorrow i make it mine Shri Guru Charan Saroja Raja Jammana Mukur Sudhari Parano Raghubara Bimala Jasu Jodayaka Palachari Uddihin Tanujan Ke Sumiram Pavan Kumar Siyaram Allabhudhi Vidya Dehu Mohi Arahu Kales Vikara Syavara Ramachanda Padaja Sharanam Jaya Hanuman Gyana Gunasaga Jaya Kapisati Unloka Ujjara Ramadutta Tulta Baladham Anjani Pavana Sutana Mahavira Bikram Bajarang Matindewar Sumati Kesang Inchano Varana Virat Subes Kanana Kundala Kunchita Kesang Ata Bajurur Dvaja Shankara Suvan Kesari Nandan Teja Pratap Mahajagavan Guni Ati Chatur Amakaja Karibe Ko Atur Prabhu Charitra Sunibe Korasi Ramalakan Sita Nabasi Sukshma Rupa Dharasiya Hindakao Yukata Rupa Dharalanka Charao Dhimma Rupa Dharasura Sanghare Ramachandra Tekaja Sanghare Laya Sajeevan Takana Jiyai Shri Raghubira Harshi Uralai Pati kin hi bohot barai Timama mapri ratai samabai Sahasabadan tumaroja saga Asaka hi shri pati kantalaga Nakadika brahma di munisa Naradisharatasaita ahisa Yamakuber Gopal Jahante Kabikobida Kaisake Kahante Mopakar Sugriva Inkina Rama Melai Rajapadadin Maro Mantra Bibishanama Ankeshwarabai Sabajagajan 
Kasahasrajo Janna Parabhanu Ilyotahi Madhura Palajana Prabhu Mudra Kamele Mukamahi Chaladilangi Gai Charajanahi Turgama Kaja Jagata Kejete Sugama Anugatumarete Ramaduare Tumarakova Hotana Agya Binapesa Subsuklahe Tumari Sharan Tumarachakahu Kodaran Apanetej Samaro Ape Tinon Loka Hanka Tinkampe Uttapisashana Kottanahe Ave Mahavir Jabanamasuna Aserogare Sabapir Japatanirantarahanu Matabir Sankatatanu Machurave Manakama Bachantana Jola Sabaparam, Pasviraja, Tina Kekaj, Sakalatumasaja, Oramanorata Jokoilave, Sovia Mitha Jivanapalapave, Charon Yugaparatapatuma, Eparasid Jagata Ujaya. Sadhu Santa Ke Marakavari Asurani Kandana Ramadulari Ashta Siddhino Nidikedata Asobaradina Janaki Mata Ramarasayana Tumare Pasa Sadaraho Raghupati Kedasa Mare Bajana Rama Kopava Janama Janama Kedukka Bissarava Anta Kala Raghubara Pura Jai Jahan Janama Arde Bhakta Kahai Arde Devata Chirtana Darai Anumata Seisarva Sukha Karai Sankata kate mitte sabbapir Josunere anumata valabir Jai 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 anuman gosai Kupakaro gurudeva kinai Joshatabara patakara koi Chutta iban mahasukhoi Joya pare anuman chalisa, Oya siddhi sakhi garisa, Tulasi dasa sadahari chera, Ki jena kudayamandera, Avanatanaya sankataharana, Mangalamurti rupasiyara, Ramalakana Sita Sahita Hurdaiba Sao Surabhuva 
Bhavar Ramachandra Padajasharanam Mangalamurti Marutanandam Sakala Amangala Mula Nikandam Mangalamurti Marutanandam Sakala Mangala Mula From the feet of the Guru, one gets refuge in God, Hari. Shri Guru Charanam, the feet of the Guru bring Shri Hari Charanam, refuge Charanam. <clears throat> Shri Guru Charanam. Shri Guru Charanam Shri Hari Charanam 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 Shri Guru Charanam 
Shri Hari Sharanam Shri Guru Sharanam Shri Hari Sharanam Shri Guru Sharanam Shri Hari Sharanam Shri Guru Sharanam Shri Hari If we know anything about a path at all, if we know there might be a way to live in this world in a good way, with an open heart and without fear, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace that ease of heart, at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Aum. Shanti. Shanti.